the kingdom of God is as multifaceted and mysterious as our Creator. A kingdom we only see now through a glass darkly. Though we can't picture it fully, God's kingdom is the story told in Scripture, from the garden to the city. And in the middle of the story, God chose to reveal His kingdom in a new way. The gospel is not only Jesus coming and dying to save us from our sins, it's also the story of God establishing His dwelling, dominion, and dynasty in the world. We live as both citizens and strangers, prisoners of hope in this shadow kingdom, all while knowing it's not our true home, that something better is coming, that God's perfect kingdom is coming. mic working look at that give it up for the mic working go Mike okay if you got your Bibles go to Matthew chapter 6 6 Matthew chapter 6 no applause okay <laughs> thanks Matthew chapter 6 we're gonna be in verse 1 um, we're going through this series citizens and strangers and i'm gonna tell you i do not have the coronavirus but like a week ago i was sick with with a common virus more deadly but common and um and uh so if i start coughing hysterically don't like run for the exit i'll just shut off my mic and drink some coffee and we'll all survive you good yeah good okay um you guys ready for a low-key message low-key does someone want to stand up on this stage and give us a definition of what low-key means? No one? Come on, what's low-key? All right, Bella, then it, you know when you get to the, the dictionary and there's a picture? Come stand up here. So we, <laughs> Low-key. Um, okay, well, we are talking about God's kingdom, and uh, we've been going through this. We're going through the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew. We're on, we're not going through the whole gospel, I guess. We're, we're going through this huge sermon, this awesome um, piece here. And God's kingdom is amazing. Have we realized that yet? God's kingdom is amazing. It's better than expected. Uh, there's so much cool. It's a kingdom without borders. Have you thought about that? Like, I was thinking about this week. Um, in God's kingdom, he, he literally encompasses the whole earth, and when he fully establishes his kingdom, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but, but this is cool. When he fully establishes his kingdom in the day to come, there will be no need for, for armies, for military, for walls, for, for border checks and all that stuff, because there's literally one kingdom. Who are you gonna fight? Like there's nothing to go to war about. There's this peaceful, awesome kingdom that encompasses the whole earth, which is awesome. Um, and it's a kingdom with a grand king, with a grand king, and, um, and, and he has the wealth of the universe. Think about that, a kingdom with a king so grand, he has the wealth of the universe. It's this grand, massive, amazing kingdom, and yet tonight we're gonna talk about how it's also, and you can fill this in, it's a low-key kingdom. It's a low-key kingdom. Low-key, not low-key, not low-key, right? Like, you know the difference? Low-key, not low-key. Okay, um, you'll get it later. Um, so it's a low-key kingdom. It, it's, it's a world, in our world today, 
We're called to, in a way, keep this kingdom of God low key. Christians are not supposed to be, you know, bragging necessarily. They're not supposed to be on every street corner going crazy. We're supposed to be low key about this thing. Now we're growing. We, we, we tell the world about Jesus. We're not ashamed of it at all, but it's low key. That's what we're going to look at today. And, and, it's, and, and by that, I mean this. Maybe these aren't words you would connect to low key, but this is important for you to understand. A low key kingdom means it's not elaborate, showy, or intensive. It, it, it's modest. It's restrained a little bit. And so, you know, we actually talked about at camp how you're a saint, but don't let it get to your head, yeah. right? Like, like know who you are, but don't walk around being like, shut up, peasant, right? I am a child of the one true king, and you will be silent in front of me. Now, we, we don't need to be like that. It's a low-key kingdom. It's a low-key kingdom. And if you're like, I don't even understand what you're talking about, let's look at Matthew 6. We'll pick it up in verse 1. Verse 1. He says this, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand Know what your right hand is doing. So you got to be quick. Christians are quick. Okay. Um, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, now stay there. We're going to cover more. But I want you to see that it's a low-key kingdom. And in this low-key kingdom, that there's low-key generosity. There's low-key generosity. So it's very clear, if you look at that portion of Scripture, that Christians should be, and I'll just tell you from my experience, Christians often are the most generous people you'll ever meet. They should be, and in my experience, they are. That that's how it is. Christians should be generous. Not wealthy Christians should be generous. All Christians should be generous. And they should be generous in a way where... Not everyone knows they're generous. They should be the, the first people to give up, sacrificially give up things that they have, whether that's finances, whether that's time, whether that's energy. We're quick to give that up, and yet we don't care if anyone on earth sees it. It's a low-key generosity, which is why we don't put in front of the church how much money was given into the offering basket. It's why we don't have like a, a running total of our, our best givers at church. Right, and in first place this week, a new first place champion, chief giver of the church is now Summer, right? Like, everyone, praise Summer. No, it, it's, it's low key, it's low key, right? It's a low key generos generosity. We are to be quick to meet the needs of the poor. We are to be lavish in how much we give. And, and it just so, it, 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 is, it is to happen so subtly, and this is why he says this, not that you need to be quick, but it's supposed to be so subtle that it's as if your right hand doesn't even know what's going on in your left hand. Have you ever seen or witnessed maybe a Pentecostal handshake? Anyone know what I'm talking about? If I had a dollar bill, I'd do it. But um, <laughs> yeah, basically you, you hide money in the hand and then you're just walking around church like, oh, nice to meet you. And then boom, I just gave her money. You're like, wait a minute, that's a drug deal. Not in church, it's very different, right? It, go, it goes both ways. You see that? I didn't give anything. I got one in return. I know people are shocked. Well, and it's real. Guys, that's a five. Thank you so much. Wow. 
<laughs> awesome. Low-key generosity. And, and here's what's so cool. When, when your left hand and right hand aren't even realizing what's going on, what does that tell you? That means it's natural. It's something that happens freely. It's like, oh, I didn't even think about it. I, I can't believe I, I gave that money away. I wasn't even realizing that. That's so natural. It's expected, and it's not for others to see. It's not for others to see. So Christians should be the most generous people in the world, and yet maybe it's not important for anyone to know it. And you're like, well, we want people to look at Christians with a good light. We want them to see us and think, oh, we really need them. They're really nice. Uh, I would say, no, you don't. (laughs) You don't need that. All you need is Jesus. Only God needs to see. Only God needs to see. And, and, And here's what's cool when we talk about this kingdom being better than expected. When you learn this and you're like, why are we even talking about generosity? I don't even have any money. You do have money and you do have time. You have things to give to other people. And when you learn generosity as a Christian, when you step into to that part of being in this kingdom, being a member of God's kingdom, when you learn that, it's, it's really cool because we talk about how this kingdom is better than expected. And so in the world you live in, every, almost everything is, in a sense, commission-based, right? In a way, you do this, you're gonna get paid this much. Right? You work for eight hours, you're going to make this much an hour. You know, Taxes are a thing, but you'll figure it out. You're going to make something really clear. If you give up this much time, this, this is how much money you're going to get in return. You get this kind of commission-based. You work, you get paid. You work, you get paid. You, get, you work, you get paid. In, in God's kingdom, we get a better reward and greater praise. A better reward and greater praise. It's so cool. I just started teaching my son about commission and, um, and working hard for money because... Too many people don't realize that you have to work hard to make money. And, and, and unfortunately, we don't teach this to our kids anymore. And so I, I'm trying to teach this to my seven-year-old now. And so I have a chore chart. His chores he does just because he's part of the family and because he's trying to become a half-decent man. So he just does those things. And then he has things that he doesn't have to do. I would totally do them if, if he didn't exist. I would totally do them if he decided to be lazy that day. But if he does them, he's gonna get paid. He's gonna get paid. Some, he's seven, so these things are worth like 10 cents. Like, don't get crazy. I think the most he's ever made in a week is like six bucks. So, um, and taking out the trash, 10 cents. How many of you would take out the trash at home for 10 cents? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Now, now I've, I haven't done this yet, so don't like give me praise. But what if I sat down and I was like, you know, everything on there was clearly marked. You sweep the floors, it's a dollar. You take out the trash, it's 10 bucks. You feed all the, the zoo, it's, it's, it's 10 cents or whatever it is. What if I got there and I was like, you know what, son, actually, I'm just gonna like triple it, quadruple it. I don't know, how, how much money's in my pocket? That's all yours. That's so much better than expected. That's a greater reward than expected. But it's not a clear-cut reward, and people get confused with this, right? I think a lot of people want their faith, their generosity in their faith, to have clear-cut results. If I give 10, I get 20. If I give three, I get six, or something like that. And we don't get that in Scripture. All we get told is to trust God, that you do this for Him to see, and the reward will be better than anything you could imagine. It'll be better than anything on earth. It's a greater reward. It's a greater payment, if you will. And you don't know in advance what it's going to be, but you're going to trust your Heavenly Father. It's a low-key generosity. It's a low-key generosity. I, uh, I've actually experienced this within the church. I had a, a time early on in my marriage where our money was super tight, 
and we needed groceries just to, to make it. And uh, we went shopping, and we were going to spend the last bit we had on the groceries. We got in line at Target, and uh, we, we had our groceries lined up, and we went to go pay, and this was it. And we didn't know what else was going to happen as, as far as our finances, but we knew we at least could eat, right? At some point in your life, you might get to this place where you're like, pay the cable bill, eat, eat. Okay, um, so we were there. That's where we were at. And while we went to check out, someone from church came up, and I, I don't even know what hand she used, but she just swiped her card and paid for our groceries. I mean, she was so quick. She just paid for our groceries, and I tell you, it was probably less than $200, but it was a big deal for us. It was a big deal for us. And, and you know, then times come around for me to give, and I get to bless people in amazing ways. And so the rewards, they're, they're so much better, and they're unexpected, and it's not clear-cut, but it's better. This is a low-key kingdom with low-key generosity. The rewards will be nothing low-key about them. Your rewards in heaven will be lavish and extreme and amazing. Your rewards on earth will be lavish, extreme, and amazing. And yet it's not a commission-based system because only God needs to see. That's important. When you go and do things for God, when you step out, it's only important that God sees, and he sees all things. He sees, the Bible just told us, he sees in secret. He sees even the things that happen in secret. Good or bad, right? That's a promise and a threat in a way. Good or bad, he sees the things that happen in secret, and he will reward you accordingly. You with me? So it's a low-key kingdom. There's a low-key generosity in this kingdom. And then we're going to keep reading and in verse 5. Follow along with me. The Lord's Prayer. Chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, so we, first he talked about his kingdom, he talked about giving to the, the needy, and then he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, and that they, might be, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. Pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. How cool is that? Your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive, ha, have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. So in this low-key kingdom, we have low-key generosity, and we lift low-key prayers. We lift low-key prayers. Uh, and it, it's... You know, Jesus is tough. You guys think I, I preach tough sometimes? Yeah. Yo, Jesus is rough. <laughs> and, and, and there's times where you're reading Jesus' sermons and the way he talked to people, and you're like, dang, bro, chill, <laughs> right? Like, just be nice to those guys, right? And he is nothing but nice. And although right here, Jesus doesn't specifically name names, elsewhere he does. He's not afraid to name names. And, and we can conclude that he is talking to the Sadducees and the Pharisees. These are like the religious Rulers of the day, these are the good Christians, you know, or the good Jews um, of, of their day. They're the ones who go to church all the time. He's talking directly to them. He's using them as an example of what not to be. So if we're reading this, we should go, wait a minute, I might be one of them. 
right? And, and what does he say? He says that they stand in the temple or church or synagogue, they stand in the temple or on the corner of the busiest areas in town and they pray a very showy prayer. Has anyone ever witnessed the showy prayer? Okay, it, it happens, right? It happens. And you're just sitting there, and how many of you, we rolled your eyes? Yep. It's okay, I, I did too. Don't, okay. I see that hand, amen. Okay, um, he, there's this showy prayer, and these guys, they would stand in the temple, and, and people would come to the temple to pray, they would come there to, to lift their prayers to God, but these guys would stand in the temple, and they would pray very loud, and they would pray for the whole room to look at them, so loud that you couldn't even pray on your own, you're like distracted, you know what I'm talking about? You're so distracted, like, I'm trying to pray, but all I know about is that guy's problems, and he's praying so loud, it's annoying. And so they're praying in church, and not only are they doing it in church, that would be one thing. Like, hey, bro, chill out. We're all here, too, right? That would be one thing. But they take it the next step further. They go to the busiest corner in town, and they start praying on the corner of the street. They're just praying there, just out loud. They're just praying for everyone here. And, and why are they doing this? Well, we, we know that they did this so that people might think they were holy. Oh, look at that guy. He's so special. Especially in a Jewish culture where it was like cool to be religious. Um, look at him. He's so special. Look at He must have such a relationship with God. Oh, wow. Listen to those prayers. Listen to how humble he is. Can you imagine seeing someone praying on the corner about their needs and going, look how humble they are. As they stand on the corner praying. Oh, look how holy he is. So that they could add. And the reason they did this was there was many man-driven laws. And so that people would look at them. People like you and me would go, Wow, look how holy he is. And then he would come up and say things that aren't in God's word as if they were. And we would believe him. Right. It was a power play. That he's trying to get attention. He's trying to, in many ways, for you to look at him as if he's the voice of God. We still have men who do this. Right? As if he's the voice of God. That they did it to be respected. They did it to be respected. That people might respect it so that they could actually use their faith politically. They could use their faith to direct people and guide people and we be very careful that we don't do this. There's a fine line there where these guys would pray there just so that they could then guide the town towards their political agenda. Mm. You're like, man, these guys are evil. I'm with you. And they did it, and this is the most evil of all. And I actually learned this today as I was studying. They did it to be trusted. Mm. There's something that you can just trust about a, a person who's praying, right? And if they're praying even louder than everyone else and more often than everyone else, you can trust them more. Or at least that's the idea. And here's what happened. Here's how sick and evil these guys were. They would pray loud on the corners. And the men and women would see them and they would recognize them and establish that they are religious. And these men and women would then, if things came up, say, say a, a woman and her husband were, were happily married. And, and he says, you know, if I die, we don't have anyone who's going to take care of you. We don't have anyone who's going to take care of the land. When I die, you should give our land, honey, to that religious man. Because look at him. He's so holy. He, de he deserves it. He'll take good care of it. He'll bless you with it. And so it, it sounds terrible, but these widows would then come in, the, in their time of suffering when they had nothing. And widows were treated poorly. Even, even in Jewish culture, they were treated poorly. And they would come to these religious leaders who they saw praying on the corners. And they would give them their inheritance. They would give them the property to their land, expecting them to be taken care of by these men. And so they're praying on the corner just so they can take advantage of widows. Evil dudes, man. <laughs> There's just evil dudes here. And, and there is, of course, a time and place for public praying. Obviously, we've prayed multiple times tonight already. There's a time and a place. We pray from stages. We pray in the microphones. But these prayers are for the gathered, not for the person praying. Whenever you pray with people, this is just bonus material. 
Whenever you pray at church, whether it's in a circle of three people or on stage in front of 50, remember, you're praying for all those who are gathered. You're not just praying as a show. You're not praying to show off, certainly not. You're praying for those gathered in that circle, or maybe you're praying with a, a shared unity of those prayers for, you know, uh, victims of somewhere in the country or someone that's hurting or needs healing. We're praying with a unity there. Yeah. It's so low-key prayers. When it comes to personal praying, though, here's how cool it is. When it comes to personal praying, we get some rather specific instructions. I, I don't know about you, but I, as I reread it today, I was like, Jesus is oddly specific here. You don't get a lot of specifics in the Bible. It's like, well, how are we supposed to love people? Well, love people like this. And you get like a parable, you get a story. And you're like, what? Okay, if that ever happens, I'll do that. Right? And, and here it's like, no, it's very specific. What does he say? He says, go into your room and shut the door. Yeah. You're like, specific? Jesus, chill. I don't even have a door. Um, go into your room and shut the door. And it's in there, Jesus instructs it's in the privacy there that you may have a conversation in secret with God. He will meet you there. That's where you're to pray. Some of you are like, I struggle with prayer. I can never get my prayer life going. Uh, maybe follow these instructions to it. Yeah. Go into your room and shut the door. Make it private. Make it just you and God. God in secret. He will meet you there. He will hear your prayers. That's how Jesus words. Jesus instructs us to pray. And then, and then he, he goes on to point out that we should pray earnest and intentional. Not with empty phrases that we're just keeping up, not just repeating over and over again, but we pray earnest and intentional. And, and the reason is, pagans in this day and would repeat their prayers, and they were very mechanical. They would say the same thing over and over again. God, give me this. God, give me this. Give me. And it's a very it's a recited prayer, and, and repeating the same words or phrases. And at times, these prayers even had little or nothing to do with what they actually needed. There's nothing intimate about it. There's nothing intentional about it. It's just reciting words and expecting results. Lifting up their empty phrases, expecting God to do something. The common religion that you know of today would be Catholics. Catholics still do this. It's still a big part of their faith. They're still encouraged to recite three Hail Marys in the morning and three before bed. Wow. That's that's repetitive prayer. That's not intentional. It's it's what Jesus says here: empty phrases lifted to heaven, thinking you'll be heard for your many words. But they pray this prayer. Every night and every morning, or at least they're encouraged to. And so we have to be careful with how we pray. It's important to note that earnest repetition isn't a problem, right? Because I've had people I talk to about prayer, like, hey, just talk to God, talk to God about whatever. Don't feel like you have to recite anything, He can handle it. Talk to God, and then come back to me, like, every time I pray, I just start repeating stuff. And then it says, I shouldn't repeat stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. Like, that's a real common thing that comes up. It's not about your earnest re- repetitions. It's about empty ones. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if you're praying and your parents are going through something, they're fighting, they're about to get a divorce, and you start praying, you're like, oh, God, help my parents. They're just not getting along. Help them to communicate, save their marriage. And then you keep praying. It's just flooding your heart. It's earnest. It's what you're dealing with. It's in your head. It's in your heart. It's all you know. And so you just you come back to it. Yeah, I can't help my parents. They're just struggling. They need to communicate, save their marriage. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with repeating. There's something wrong with repeating without intentionality, without earnestness. When your heart is just overwhelmed with things, God's a, a, a father. Yeah. He, he wants to hear that. He wants to experience that, that, that time with you. He wants to encourage you there. It, it, God simply wants our times in prayer to be genuine. If I, if I were to describe anything of instructions Jesus is giving here, it's let your prayers be genuine. If you have emotions, let God see them. If you, if you feel like saying the same thing over and over again because it's so heavy on your heart, 
Let God hear it. Time focused deliberately on Him. Time set aside intentionally for Him. Don't be afraid of it. Spend time with God in, in your room here. Spend time with God praying and speaking to Him. Only God needs to hear. So many people are, I struggle with prayer. Good news. No one needs to hear you pray. Right? I stutter. I never say the right things. No one needs to hear. Yeah. And your father, who you're talking to, he already knows what's on your heart. That's right. So there's no pressure in prayer then. There's no pressure in prayer. The only way you can mess it up is if you take it too crazy. Right? It's the religious people who get carried away. Yeah. The, the, the earnest, raw, real Christians who are just trying to pray and love and love their neighbor and, and spend time with God, you're going to be fine. Just being in that room and spending time talking to God, that's all he wants. He wants time with me. Only God needs to hear. Then he goes even more specific. He gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. And he gives us this, this prayer that's meant to be a springboard for our times in prayer. He gives us some direction to intentional, earnest prayer. He says, you pray to your Father. Our Father who art in heaven, you pray to God. Father, Son, Spirit, it doesn't matter. Son, like, dear Jesus, nothing wrong with that. Holy Spirit, nothing wrong with that. Dear God, nothing wrong with that. Dear Mom, something wrong with that. Yeah. You pray to God, don't get crazy with the names, who cares? But make sure we pray to God. Yeah. That's what he's telling us here. Spend time with him, but only him. Why? He is holy. He's different. He's set apart. That's right. We pray, and then it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. We pray to advance his kingdom, his will, heaven on earth. We pray for our daily bread. It's okay to pray for needs. Yeah. It's okay to pray for needs. It's okay to pray for uh, things that you're struggling with, things that you don't think you have. It's okay to pray for other people's needs. We pray for needs. We pray for forgiveness, and we pray for help in forgiving others. Some people are like, God, I just can't forgive my dad. Have you ever asked God to help you? Yeah. No, I never have. Well, why don't we start there? Spend time every day asking your heavenly father to help you forgive your earthly father and see if we can make some progress in forgiveness. It's powerful. Ask him to help you to forgive. We seek guidance away from temptation and evil. And the, the last point you can write down is low-key obedience. Mm -hmm. Low-key obedience. And it's, it's going to be the last just three verses here I want to read for you guys. He says, and when you fast, which is an instruction of their day, we still fast today. And if it was an, an obedience standard for them in their day, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces. It's not talking about makeup. Don't get, don't get scared. They disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Girl, wash your face. Yeah. That your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. That we have low-key obedience. When we're obedient, we can step in and say yes to whatever God put in front of us, whether that's fasting, spending time in prayer like we talked about, forgiving others, reading your Bible, worshiping, whatever it might be. When we're obedient, we don't do it for the show. We do it for God. He sees in secret. We do it for Him. Not everything God calls us to do is enjoyable. You hear that? Not everything God's going to call you to do is enjoyable. I'm going to be real honest. It's not always enjoyable to yeah, read your right. Bible every day. You're right. There's plenty of times I'm like, yeah. Right? It's not always enjoyable. Things like fasting, though, and things like reading your Bible, things where you're called to obedience, it's supposed to be done without a show. When they would fast, it was a big show, the Jews. I wish we had like reality television of Jewish culture back then. Because their fasting, from, from what we can tell, was crazy, over the top. And it, it's a, they weren't just hungry, they were hungry everywhere. 
clothes were hungry for, for some washing. Their face was hungry for some joy. Their hair was hungry for some product. Everything was hungry on them. And it was like, bro, are you okay? And so they did it just for the pity. They did it because they wanted to look miserable. Everything's miserable because they can't eat. They're like soccer players falling for a foul, right? Like, it's terrible. He kicked the grass near me. As a result, people would then comfort them and they'd pity them. We still do this, right? I said, I'm going to go on Instagram. I'm pretty tired today, but I still got up and read my Bible. You're like, cool, enjoy your life. That's your reward. Right? Your father sees in secret. He knows how tired you are. You're probably not that tired. You know? yeah. right? But he, he sees in secret. Here's something crazy to think about. In this low-key kingdom, uh, we, we, we are obedient with joy. We seek reward and comfort from God. And He knows the precise level of comfort you need. You don't need to exaggerate with God. God, I'm so tired. So tired? Kind of tired. I know exactly yeah. how tired you are, Gabe. Don't exaggerate with me. <laughs> I know how tired you are. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to comfort you. You don't need to go to other people for... For, for pity. You don't need to go to other people for comfort. Your Heavenly Father will reward you. He'll comfort you. He honors your obedience. We're obedient for His praises and comforts, not for anyone else's. You hear this stuff? And, and, and just know this, and it's so cool, it's comforting, that your Heavenly Father who sees in secret will reward you in secret. Yeah. He knows. You don't need to tell everyone. You, don't, you also don't need to call people out when they tell, like, hey man, I, I noticed you told someone you read your Bible. Sin. Don't do that. No. It's right. Don't go crazy, okay? But just know that your Heavenly Father sees in secret and He will reward you. Yeah. Only God needs to comfort. Only God needs to comfort. We have some time in groups, and so I want to make sure we get there. Um, I'm just going to pray for you. When I say amen, young adults are going to be over here like normal. Um, we'll have high school right here with Anwar, and then in, and Jerry, you can help Anwar here. And then Adam will have middle school in the couch room. Let me pray for you guys. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your kingdom. Thank you that it's not a show-off kingdom, that it's not a commission-based kingdom, that it's not a do-it-for-the-likes kingdom, but it's low-key, it's subtle, it's modest. And Lord, even when we do things that others can't see, whether it's suffering or giving or praying or reading our Bible, Lord, even if no one sees, you see, and that's all that matters. And we thank you for meeting us in secret. We thank you that we don't have to brag and show off because our Heavenly Father knows all things. He knows our heart. You know our heart. You know our motives. May we be righteous just for your eyes and not for the likes of others. In Jesus' name, amen.